what's up guys welcome back to no easy buckets um joined once again it's been a little bit of a hiatus uh nba the bubble bubble's been gone for a couple months me and blake have been uh um, star for some NBA content and uh, we thought it was appropriate to bring you another episode and hopefully um, keep, keep doing that over the next couple of weeks as the NBA ramps back up but um, shit has been hitting the fan today it has been uh, it is you know I want to welcome you in Blake I want to see how you're doing I know we're all we're all we're all like uh, locked up in the houses um, you know everybody's scared to walk outside uh, it's been it's been <laughs> terror in the streets <laughs> Terror in the streets. Um, I've boarded up my windows. Um, I just I hope put, you have as well. I just put bars on my windows as well. So yeah. everybody okay. indoors. Not just because COVID. There's extenuating circumstances. Everywhere. Lots of stuff. Yeah, stuff we're not going to get into. But you should do your own research <laughs> to keep yourself informed. Stay informed. I can't That's even do that without feeling feeling bad. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, back to the important stuff. NBA. Um, so we wanted to we wanted to jump on. It's been. Uh, you know, football has been going crazy lately. It's been COVID this, COVID that. It's been cancellations. The NBA had, you know, what we've seen is the best, I guess, situation of any major sport uh, with the with the bubble. You know, it was probably the most elaborate, um, unique situation. But they didn't really, they didn't have any positive tests. They didn't have any problems. Nothing's happened since then. I mean, I'm sure there's been some players that have tested positive, but none of that info is coming out because um, it's not in season. It's not really that important. Um, to like, I guess, you know, from a breaking news aspect in the NBA, but we've uh, the state of things right now, before we get into the free agency madness that started in the last couple of days, we get into the state of things right now with the NBA, which is that we have the draft starting in two days. This, this, we're recording this on the November 16th on a Monday. The draft is finally November 18th on a Tuesday. These prospects have been you know draft eligible since what like march of literally the entire COVID time has been them waiting to get drafted um so we've got that coming up on the 18th today marked the start of uh kind of the transaction window where people could um start uh agreeing uh on potential trades or you know i guess what would you call them like to be to be you know, to be processed trades they're not officially approved yet yeah. and then no, free agency is going to start the 20th um which is uh free agency will start the 20th at 6 p.m which is going to be this friday and then on sunday at midnight you can actually start to sign the dotted line so i don't know why there's like a two-day difference there. i don't know if that's the uh i don't <laughs> the moratorium but I don't get it either. Um, it's like the transaction window begins yeah. to where you can like tentatively plan for things. Like, yeah, I don't understand why you wouldn't be able to, to go ahead and sign players, but that, that's neither here nor there. You know, there's a way to go along, but yeah, I, I'm just excited for everything to, to start back. I, I do know that I will say this. It's, yes. it's crazy to me that it seems like basketball has been forever ago, but it hasn't like, it's le like legit been what, 80 days not not even 80 days like it october yeah it was like a, was it or the end of september uh it was it was yeah i think it was the, the more or less the end of september it's uh i think the 80 days is what i'm like the the two teams mm -hmm. from the finals so the heat and the oh Warriors. yeah uh the 80 like 80 days that that'll be like the length of their off season so put that <laughs> in, per, in perspective that's pretty crazy yeah and so, before we get too much farther i did want to there was yeah. a new new factor to the pod today <laughs> Um, and I've already blown right past that. Also forgot to start the timer that I was pulling up. 
Start right before I hit record. Right before. Uh, so the timer started, but also too, we're doing a video version of this. Um, hopefully you're watching it. Um, it's going to be on YouTube. Uh, the five people that listen, you know, hopefully you watch as well. And um, so what we're going to do is, as, as I'm doing this right now, as you can see um, in a moment, I'm going to share my screen and kind of, this is the thing. I don't want to, this is, I want to give homage to NBA desktop, um, which is, um, and I'm going to resize this for the recording. Um, I want to give homage to NBA desktop, which is kind of like a, um, I don't know if anybody watches it on the ringer, but it's a great show idea. They won like a web Emmy or whatever they're called. Um, kind of going through like a Google doc of different, like recent NBA stories. Um, and, and they actually ended uh, a couple weeks ago because um, network uh, Jason Concepcion is leaving the ringer to go to crooked media. So those are no more, but uh, this is definitely not a ripoff. It's just kind of an idea to go through like topics and everything as you see um, and kind of keep on, you know, keep in line, but also give you kind of a visual of like what we're talking about, what we're thinking. Um, and we'll, we'll hopefully have some fun with it down the line, but um, we'll also give a, uh, a quick ad for Dropbox, um, Dropbox paper. This is what we're using uh, an awesome tool plug. for Definite no reason whatsoever. For no reason whatsoever. I think Dropbox is a really amazing product. So, We'll go with that. Um, but anyway, yeah, so you, you see here that the also too, uh, that the salary cap's not changing at all, which a lot of people, I think everybody kind of agreed that it wasn't going to change much. They thought that it was going to stay the same this year for the sake of just keeping things level, and then it would change it go down next year. But it seems like they've already, uh, and I don't have that tweet here, but they've already kind of released like the tentative uh, salary cap for the next like three years, I think, and it's that's just going up like two or $3 million each year, which – I think that's, you know, welcomed instead of going down and seeing like teams have to really maneuver the cap in a, in a, in a difficult way uh, and, and kind of make things pretty, uh, make some tough decisions. So hopefully we're retaining some flexibility and, and no big spikes, but, um, but that's kind of for the nerd Twitter. Yeah. I, I think at, yeah. the end too, at the end of the day too, seeing that go up, I think is a good thing for the league, even though it's tentative at this point, just to kind of, get it out there. I know that they didn't even have to kind of put it out there that the salary cap, and I think it was on average over the next three years, um, the salary, the, the cap was going up, uh, including the tax level. They were both kind of in parallel going up about 2 million um, each year. I think the, the, the tax level capping out at about 138 maybe. And then like, uh, I do yeah. like the actual salary cap cap, like capping out at around 115. So yeah. I think, I think all in all, you know, over the next three years, um, we should see that, you know, start to go up and I guess you can call that inflation, but you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's going up, which is a positive. Right. And, and there is like a, there was some specific, we're definitely not going to get into those like minutia of the, of the cap and the luxury tax, because that's, I love that stuff, but that is not fun for a podcast unless you're really speaking to just other NBA uh, nerds. But uh, basically this year is going to be an exception where teams that generally pay the luxury tax, which these teams that you're familiar with, like uh, the Warriors, the Bucks, um, you know, the Clippers, the Lakers, they're not technically there yet, but they would be. And then a team like Oklahoma City, that before they made the recent trades, they were kind of, they had a lot of large contracts. They were paying the luxury tax. This year, it's going to be a little bit cheaper for them because of the, based on the league revenue. Um, so without getting into much of it, that's basically what it is. So there's a slight advantage for teams like the Warriors and like, you know, uh, teams that could potentially get into the tax to not pay as much of a bill. So there's going to be, you may see a team like the Bucks or the Warriors make a slight move that they wouldn't have made 
otherwise. Uh, maybe that's adding another contract or making an additional trade um, just to, to, and having a little bit more, uh, spilling over a little bit more to that luxury tax just because there's not as much of a penalty this year. Um, so there's small things like that, but I don't think it's going to really change much more than like a small minimum role player type contract. Um, but hey, I'm willing to be surprised. At the end of the day. At the end of the day. <laughs> exactly. So as you see here too, uh, is that, that we kind of have a tentative schedule for things and go, go over that briefly. Um, it looks like everything's starting back up on the 22nd. Um, I, I will uh, say, I will say this before yeah. you get into the schedule. Um, I think teams are reporting, officially reporting um, yeah. on the 1st of December. And I don't think Woj put that here. No. No, that's, that's a good point too. And he probably did in another tweet. Um, it's been so much lately, but yeah, yeah I mean, it's going to be, they're going to be reporting pretty soon in the network right after Thanksgiving. And then and we've got December 22nd opening night. I think they're even going to try to do some preseason games, which I don't know what the point of that is other than maybe just to, as a trial run for some COVID protocols. Uh, but then we're going to have the all-star break. Uh, it's not too much off what it normally is kind of in like early March, late February or middle February. Um, but this is minus an all-star game, which I haven't even looked into. If I guess they're not going to have an all-star game this year. They're just going to have a five-day break, um, which makes sense. Um, I think logistically it would be super hard to, to kind of get all of that worked out. Yeah, it would. And I, but I would not – the NBA has been very fluid. Um, I would not – I would not cross off the, uh, the chance that they change that and they actually have an all-star game the if things aren't crazy by that point or things have worked out so far up to March. I, I do agree that the, the, uh, the, the vaccines that have kind of been touted over the last couple of days, um, they do play a huge factor, especially when you get like talking about like March, April, May type timeframe. Um, yeah. I think logistically, not only logistically would it be hard and when I say logistically, taking a bunch of people from different markets and like putting them all together. I think it would, it would have to, it would be too much of a risk to like bring so many different yeah. people um, to, to one location. So I think that's just, I guess just like without knowing a lot of context, that, that would be my two cents. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think you're right. I think it's better to go ahead and plan for it not to happen than like spend okay. a lot of effort planning, trying to make it happen when it's not really that necessary. It's mm -hmm. all-star weekend is more about, it's like summer league. It's all about the coming together, uh, the connections, the, the meetings, everything other than the games, honestly. Yeah. So, uh, and that's really what the all-star breaks about anyways, is, is, is everything is the fanfare. So if you're not going to have the fanfare, why have the all-star game? It's just, uh, some players don't even like it this year. I'm sure they're not even, right. they're not thrilled to do it. <laughs> They spend no. enough time together uh, in the bubble <laughs> exactly. in the hotels yeah. in Orlando. Um, so, uh, but yeah, there's nothing really else notable besides the fact that, that there's going to do, uh, and there's also, there's not been a ton of info out about the play-in tournament, but um, I was listening to Keith Parrish actually, who does the Fast Break Breakfast uh, podcast and on Twitter and also does, does a Grits and Grind podcast for Grizzlies stuff. Um, he was talking about the play-in tournament uh, earlier today so that's the only other thing I think that's notable is that for this year only so far, they're, they're continuing to play in tournament, which is what happened in the bubble. It was a little bit different in the bubble. It was the eight and nine seed and they played for, uh, you know, basically the Grizzlies had to win two games to beat, to, to uh, make the playoffs over the, uh, the trailblazers um, ended up just being a one game deal. Uh, but uh, it was an interesting little wrinkle. They've decided to move it to the seven, eight, nine, and 10 seeds this year. And the way he explained it is that 
So the seven and eight seed is are going to play each other, and the nine and ten seed are going to play each other. To, you know, hold, hold on just a moment. You're, you're, it's going to make sense. So the winner of the seven and eight seed game is going to be the seven seed. Then okay. the loser of the seven and eight game is going to play the winner of the nine and ten for the eight seed. For the eight seed. So okay. there is a scenario where the tenth seed makes the playoffs as the eighth seed, and there's a scenario where the seventh seed misses the playoffs. So I, I, that I actually like that. It, I think it's really interesting if everything's tight. But like last year, the Dallas Mavericks were seventh seed; and they were well ahead of everybody. And then you have in the East where seven and eight was pretty tight with the Magic and the Nets, but nine and ten were just like I mean the, the Wizards barely they gave the Wizards an opportunity to come to the bubble just to be nice. They weren't going to make it and barely don't even play. And then the Hornets have like 23 wins. You shouldn't have a scenario where a team with 23 wins makes the playoffs. So I think there's, there's potential for it to be really exciting and really, you know, really fun, but there's also potential for a lot of people to get upset. I, but I, but I think that's why it works. Yeah, exactly. Think about it like this. If you're, if you're the Dallas Mavericks and you're a fan of the Mavericks, your team's up seven games uh, on the eighth seed, right? You're cruising. Like, you're not even really paying attention the last, what, yeah. 10 games maybe? Um, at the end of the day, like, this this puts you in the – in the like, take take the Grizzlies and the, and the Mavericks, for instance, if we're going to talk about last year. Um, it still puts you in the in the arena of, hey, like, at the end of the day, I still need – I need to get sixth place. I need to – like, every game, I can't take any games off, right? We're up seven games. I'm not in jeopardy of making the eighth seed or even potentially losing uh, yeah. that eighth spot. But at the end of the day, I still would have to play for the seven seed, which kind of sucks at the same time. Right. I think the people that are going to be the most upset would be the person in the seven seed if they had 100%. a substantial lead. But, and this is the thing, we, we base these, we base our, you know, our thoughts on what we've already been used to. And it's been one through eight. And then we saw the play in, nobody really got upset about it. Um, you know, you could have, if you were a Grizzlies fan, you legitimately could have been like, Oh no, we deserve to make it. You know, us being two Grizzlies fans, I wasn't like upset about it. Like I, I thought it was worth it. Like the, the, the trailblazers deserved a shot. The Phoenix Suns deserved a shot and they went undefeated. And I think what the goal of this and, and kind of to make everybody uncomfortable is that that's the goal is to make teams uncomfortable, to not, not be able to rest back for the last two weeks of the season. Yes. And we already saw that with the bubble and the teams in the West, everybody came in ready to play like they could win. The Suns literally won every game, every single game and still didn't make it. They didn't even make the play in game. Yeah. So there was a scenario where like you did everything possible and you didn't make it, but you saw that all those teams really worked towards that. And if you bring it all the way down to the 10 seed, you're going to have these teams that normally would kind of give up a month or so left in the season and take, they're not going to do that. Their ownership is not going to let them do that. So So that's the reason you're doing it. You're going to have teams in the West and the East now that are going to, they're going to play that you're going to get more quality basketball and you're going to get a solid effort because making the playoffs can change things for a team like Atlanta. They've been, they've been given the task of like making the playoffs this year, basically. Like you have to make it like the ownership is like Trey, you're three. Have to. It's way more likely this year. And also, too, it like makes it to where, you know, a team, maybe we do see a 10 seed make it, make it into the playoffs this year. And that's kind of crazy. Maybe it's a team like the Kings that haven't made it in a long time. And, uh, 
you know, that's, that's great for their franchise. Or maybe it's a team like the Grizzlies who kind of were a little bit over their skis this year, a little bit over, a little bit overachieving this year, ended up missing the playoffs, got some good experience this year. I would have actually picked them to miss until we get into kind of like season previews and see where everybody's been trading. But this also gives them an opportunity to make, make this play in tournament per se. And then, and then, and then have a chance to be a, you know, an eight seed. So um, I think there's a lot of scenarios where uh, so many downstream is, impacts. I think it's going to be fun. I mean, you're obviously if you're the seven seed and you have a five game lead on the eight seed and you end up missing because you went on a two game losing streak, people are going to be upset about that. But for right now, it's one season. Let's hope it works out and be positive. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, I mean, and just yeah. a, a final piece on that, like, think about it like this. You it's, it's all for positioning too. Like, let's say you're a hundred team getting the eighth spot you play the seventh seed, and not only do you miss not having to play the number one overall seed, you get that seventh seed, and you get a better matchup, a more favorable matchup, depending on how you look at it. But at the end of the day, too, there's so many bonuses that are tied potentially to making the playoffs or getting getting a little bit farther here or tied to, like, points, you know, like a total number of points. There's so many implications for teams, like as you mentioned, that wouldn't necessarily have made the playoffs. You mentioned the Hawks, like – this is a scenario where potentially they would have a little bit more of a shot to get it in a playoff game. Yeah. I think it's going to make, I think we're going to see less tanking. We're going to see less horrible basketball, which I think is what has been the NBA's problem is when you have the bucks or the, the warriors of the past few years that they, they come into Detroit on a Tuesday night and they beat Detroit by 45. And there wasn't even a chance of the, of the Detroit winning. And it's like, in a pro like the NFL, like anybody can win any week, you know, and in sports like that, in baseball, anybody can win any week in basketball. That's true for, for in some respect, when you have a scrap with scrappy teams, but you just don't want this just mid season, you know, kind of three quarters of the way through and people start packing their bags and going home and resting players and benching dudes. Like that's just not, it's just not fun for people, especially for fans. Like, I just don't think this – there's not as much of a downside as people may think, um, as people may perceive. Like, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I think that was something to note because that's going to be an interesting. You know, we have a 72-game season, so it's a little bit shorter. Um, who knows about what's what's going to happen with fans and, and home court and everything. But uh, maybe this all happens in another bubble scenario. Maybe they do the playoffs in the bubble again, which – um, would be interesting and fun. I mean, there were, the, the bubble was that fun would be interesting. from the viewer's perspective. That would, be, was, that would be interesting if they did that. Yeah, I think it's definitely possible. I mean, we saw the NCAA announce today that the March Madness is basically going to take place in one location, 68 teams. Indianapolis, so, let's go. Two hours from me. I was about to say. Go. I know. If, in, a, in a normal year, going to Vegas to watch all this would be awesome. Maybe even do it in Vegas. But um, we'll, we'll leave all those, uh, all those trips for another day. Also, that that, that yeah. NCAA all sixty eight teams being in one location would be a logistical nightmare. I would not logistical not, nightmare, and it's a bunch of twenty year olds too. Like it's different yeah, than the pros. I get, I get it. It's, it'd be good for Indianapolis though. Like that'd be that'd be insane. It'd be insane. I, I I think I would I would my vision is they end up doing it in two different sites at least because I have to. I just don't think you could do it all at one. Uh, you'd end up the games you know games go long, go overtime, stuff like that. But that's Neither here nor there. Um, wanted to get into the draft really quickly. We're not uh, draft aficionados, really. We do watch it and pay attention to it. I watch the draft every year like none other. Like, I look forward to it. I've want, I've dove in in years past, done mock drafts. Like, hopefully in the future, can get back into that. But 
but there's it, it, the draft hasn't the draft is not very strong this year. Um, as we transition to that, talking uh, talking about that a little bit, the draft is it's it's been a weaker year uh, or a weaker class from what everybody's projected, and we've had way more time, twice as long to evaluate it. So it's been uh, people are probably tired of hearing about it. We're not going to go through prospects, but it does seem uh, the biggest the biggest I guess point to note is that the Warriors, who kind of had a rebuilding year in the middle of a dynasty. Um, have the number two pick. Um, they have Steph, Clay, and Draymond coming back from injury to be healthy this year. Um, they have Andrew Wiggins that they got in a um, trade with they was shipped out D'Angelo Russell. So they've got pieces. They've got it. They a number two pick is in in in, in, in any year is a, is a great asset, even in a weaker class. Like there's a lot of options there, but that's kind of been the main. That's that's why no one really knows what's happening yet, is because no one knows if there's going to be a bunch of trades and. We've been talking about it with the James Wiseman rumor, rumors and everything, but I think a lot of the draft can hinges on if, you know, Golden State is who they're going to take and, and if they're going to trade out. I think at the end of the day, too, uh, what's what's known, I think, at this point about the draft, uh, as you mentioned, uh, definitely not a, uh, a, a draft aficionado, but at the end of the day, what I want to what I want to say is I think the only lock at this point is that Minnesota pick at number one. Yeah. I think that's the only thing that's pretty much I wouldn't say it's a given, but at the end of the day, yeah. like that's where it is. And I'm glad that you pulled up the mock like the mock draft at this point because I want to talk about the Warriors scenario, right? I yeah. think you and I have differing opinions on this because yeah. um, when you take the, the the number two pick, I for me. And, and just me doing a deep dive on James Wiseman and, and like seeing his comparables and seeing like the, you know, his shooting, his, what he could potentially be at yeah. a ceiling. I think that if I'm golden state, I would feel, I would feel bad passing, trying to pass up on, on James Wiseman, unless I just get a incredible trade offer. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think you can pass up on James Wiseman at, at number two. Yeah, I mean, we we did have a, our own kind of private discussion about this the other day. I'm not as big of a Wiseman fan. Um, I know he's kind of that prototypical, like, huge big man that's athletic that people gravitate towards, especially when you have, like, a Zion last year. They're different players, but still people get fired up about the same things. Um, I'm a big LaMelo fan. Um, I love LaMelo. LaMelo now, LaMelo now seems like he's going to be the number one pick. I think that's still – it's more sure now than it has been – but I don't still don't think that it's a like a, it might not be know, a lock. written in stone. It's not a lock. Um, that would still be my pick if I was any team in the top three because of the 100%. ceiling. And I it, honestly, as it, you know, for the Warriors, I still would do it, even though a lot of people were like, "Why bring that person? Bring bring a guy like Lamelo in with the Warriors? You're so close to another championship. Bring in somebody like a Wiseman that addresses a need." But from my thinking, is that use this pick as a bridge to your next dynasty. Um, people could use that argument for James Wiseman as well. I think that um, ball, you know, I think uh, people that can run your offense, initiate your offense and play, play, people that can be difference makers on the wing are still more valuable than big men right now. Um, unless you have kind of those, you know, unicorn big men uh, like a Jokic or something like that, where you they are like an Anthony Davis, but still those don't grow on trees. And at the same time, early in their career, you could say that those players didn't have the effect that, you know, a wing, a wing of their similar uh, 
value could would have had. Um, so my thought is that you take a, a Lamelo Ball or even an Anthony Edwards there uh, as a wing player to who some the way the, the argument that I made to you was I want to draft a player at number two if I'm drafting if I'm the, if I'm not trading down uh, substantially down to take uh, in the draft I want to take a player that can theoretically be on the court in the playoffs and when I I think about James Wiseman I don't think he's going to be on the court in the playoffs for the Warriors because of foul trouble because of um, offensive fit because of what they like to do with Draymond at the five. So that's my thinking behind taking a wing. And I also think that um, when it comes to uh, championship contenders and big men, I think it's just, there's just service level guys, role player level guys that can be found for the minimum out there, especially since the big man has been more devalued, you know, even like a Mark Gasol could be a player that, maybe he's not getting an offer for anywhere, you know, eight to 10 million, like maybe he's looking for or whatever. I don't even know what the number is for Marcus Hall, but let's say he wants to go win another title before he leaves and decides to go join a team like the Warriors and be like, look, I'm here for 15 minutes a game. I'm gonna give you a hell of a 15 minutes a game. Well, why do you need James Wiseman if Marcus Saul is going to be playing the fourth quarter until you go to a small lineup? Like that's my thinking behind it. Uh, but at the same time, somebody's going to take Wiseman most likely in the top three and, you know, at, at this point in the draft, you know, lean on your scouts and, and go with it. Yeah, I, I think in my biggest argument, and we can talk about James Wiseman in the number two pick forever, but I think my my biggest argument would be that you still have a lot of life left in the Golden State team, especially if you keep, um, especially if you keep, um, what's his name, Andrew Wiggins um, mm-hmm. in, your, in your lineup on your team, because I think he's still a decent fit there, right, at that wing. Yeah. Um, with with Clay and Steph, but at the end of the day, too, Steph has a lot of playing time left. Clay, a lot of playing time left. If I'm if I'm Draymond Green, like if I'm a coach and I'm and I'm thinking about Draymond Green in like the next three to five years, like I don't I don't see it because at the end of the day, yeah. he can be elite defensively, but he's he's undersized at his position in terms of like height, length etc. And I think at that point, you're going to want somebody that can fill that void there. And potentially yeah. that's Wiseman at that point. So I think yeah. that would be my biggest argument. But, I, you know, as you mentioned, you know, big men, the big yeah. position has been devalued a little bit. And they're a dime a dozen. You kind of saw that with the Lakers getting Javel McGee and Dwight Howard on their <laughs> on their right. team, right? So at the end of the day, like anything is yeah. possible. I mean, and the Warriors had Javel McGee in the past. That's right. Dwight Howard's probably going to be available um also too with James Wiseman too and I think this doesn't hasn't gotten talked about enough uh, or it has it's just been so much has been retreaded over the the last few months we we saw him play what three college games and he played in high school which you know everybody's a you know the the words of a lot of high school everybody everybody murders in high school everybody everybody cooks in high school especially if you're so, seven one with a seven six wingspan if you're seven one and there, there was criticisms of him coming in, I think he had a worse draft grade before he, before the season than even he does now. Like he's kind of gone back up into that consensus top two or three. And before, before COVID really, when the college basketball season was in its heat, he had dropped out of the top kind of three or three to five. He was being mocked at, you know, seven to 10, somewhere like that. Kind of like, okay, you know, at this point it makes sense to take this guy. Um, but so I think you still, you're taking a huge risk there, even though you're risk with a lot of these players, uh, I just think, um, 
I've just been a LaMelo guy, you know, ever since he was like 15. Um, I think yep. it's crazy. I think he's going to be a good player. I think Lonzo's a good player. I think LaMelo's going to be a good player. I think his pers- the personality stuff and the and the dad stuff is overblown. It doesn't see – it's not been a factor ever since he left uh, – Lonzo left L.A. Even the last year there, it wasn't a problem. I don't – LaMelo has already distanced himself from his dad as far as a involvement standpoint. You know, he's signed with – I can't remember what agency he signed with, but he's got other representatives. They don't do the whole – uh, big baller brand stuff anymore. I think it's overblown. And I think, you know, if LaMelo happens to fall out of the top two or three picks, I think whatever team gets him is going to, you're going to really be like, why the hell did we drop? Yeah. Not the same situation as a Luca, not the same player, obviously, not comparing to Luca. Definitely. A not. situation where people had these kind of made up stereotypical doubts from a player coming from Europe or the situation. And so he dropped and technically went five, but went three and I think you're going to have a similar reaction of, Oh shit. We, we passed on LaMelo ball when he comes out and he, and he has a good first couple months or whatever. I mean, that's what I hope. I hope, it, I hope they all be, hope they're all good. I hope everybody has a good player. You know, I hope there's just more, more good basketball, but I think that's really the only notes from the draft. I think it's gonna be a fun draft. I'm going to have it on every screen that I have uh, available <laughs> on Wednesday. It's going to be an interesting draft mainly just because yeah. I, you know, it's been so long since these guys have played basketball and, yeah. you know, don't really, you don't really know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. I think we, there's a good chance we see more trades because people have had longer to evaluate players, even teams that made the playoffs. And at least you know, the they, film. They, they had usually when you have teams, in the playoffs, like, you know, you have the playoffs in June, then you have a, a race to the draft, then a race, a race to the um, or May and June, you have a race to the draft, a race to summer league and everything. Now you've got these teams that all, COVID before the bubble restart, they were evaluating these draft these draft picks. So they're going to be more these playoff teams like the Lakers and the Celtics and the Raptors. They're going to have more time, even more from higher ups in the organization that have those. They have the ability to be like, no, we're taking this player or we're doing this thing instead of a scout that's just like an opinion in the room. Um, you're going to have a lot more, you know, a lot of more, a lot more informed people in the room to where there's going to be a lot of, a lot of deals made. Uh, at least I hope it's fun when that happens. I hope the Grizzlies trade up. I hope, you know, we have a decent pick, I think at 40. Um, I hope we, there's some, there's some good players in that late first, early second round, even all the way through the second round. So possible. I'm, uh, I'm excited to see uh, what some teams do. There's some, there's some interesting players in there um, and, and everything, but it's going to be a fun, it's going to be a fun draft, but I think that's really, unless there's anything else that you could think of, no draft related um uh i don't think that there's uh much else to talk about. no no i'm i'm all good on the draft yeah like <laughs> like you said yeah. I, I just i just watch it i'll put it on every exactly season. i'm gonna dive i'm not gonna i got i got the, Woj, the lottery i got the Woj notifications turned on i got the <laughs> sham notifications turned on i'm good to go that's all i need so yep. let's finish up here uh talking through trades because i know there's some stuff we want to talk to um that basically the trade started happening today we had rumors a couple of days ago that the Suns were interested in Chris Paul, um, that they that the OKC had um, basically given permission for Chris Paul to talk to um, other teams, and and really it had all been focused around the Suns. Um, a slight bit of history, just because it kind of makes sense in the context of you know what was happening in the trade. Obviously, Chris Paul was traded last year from uh, Houston to OKC for Russell Westbrook to mm-hmm. reunite Westbrook and James Harden. They, even though both were on what can, were considered to be bad contracts with, you know, 40 plus million dollars dedicated to them in the final couple, in the next couple of years, um, 
the 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 Rockets gave not only Chris Paul but numerous first round picks and pick swaps to to OKC, mm-hmm. who also traded Paul George to the Clippers and got picks from and, and players from that trade. Um, Chris Paul then turned the the Thunder into a playoff team that that faced Houston in the first round and took them to seven games. So it's kind of a crazy turn of events there. Now they've basically, I want to say used and abused. They didn't do that. It was all mutual. Chris Paul wanted to play. I think they even were willing to tank last year. Chris Paul was like, no, let's play. They had a good year. They still got the picks they wanted. Now Chris Paul is being dealt to Phoenix, a team that needs to make the playoffs. Another one of those teams that benefits from this, this play in format. Um, and uh, really upgrades them to a, uh, you know, a major content, you know, someone that you have to take seriously in the West. And the trade was, as you see on the screen, uh, Chris Paul to Phoenix actually ended up being Chris Paul and Abdel Nader from the Thunder to Phoenix for Ricky Rubio, Kelly Oubre, Ty Jerome, uh, Jalen Lequet or whatever. He's French. Let's check. Let him, let him pronounce his own, uh, <laughs> <Let> him. <laughs> his own name. And then uh, draft compensation. And what that draft compensation ended up being was a protected Phoenix pick. Uh, in 2022, that's lottery protected, and the in the and then it goes into 13 to 30. Uh, it's, it's a lot of protections on that. That's not super important because it's not for a couple of years. But the big thing was Phoenix didn't give up their number 10 pick in the draft. As we go back to the mock, yep. and which is going to be a solid player, especially now that they're you know going to be most likely a playoff team or hunting for the playoffs. Another player to fill that gap from those role players that they kind of dumped out with uh, to OKC. So what are your I know we've we've talked about this in group chats and everything, but do you think um, do you, what do you think about this deal? Is, is this a deal that each side won? Was there a winner and a loser? Like, what are your kind of what's your kind of grade on, on it? To, to be fair, my, the, the winner obviously OKC at this point because it just replenishes that stockpile of picks. I know that if you if you go down, we we said we mentioned OKC now has sixteen picks in the first round in the next six years, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is which yeah. is absolutely wild to me. I don't I don't I don't know if that's I if you would have asked me two years ago, I'd have never would have thought this was possible. I know that it's a lot to get your own picks and stuff like that. But if you're if you're thinking uh, if you're asking me for a clear winner, I think obviously OKC because I yeah. think that they can build and, and package something else for uh, an additional player that that's mm-hmm. high caliber. Um, don't forget to mention the the L the LA Lakers trade with Dennis Schroeder, right? Oh, yeah. Being being pushed uh to to la for a, probably an additional pick as well right? that was is actually they traded um the lakers traded their first round pick number 28 that you see right here yep. um for that yeah you're exactly right about that so i do want to i do want to push this but at the end of the day i think from a phoenix sun standpoint it it gets devin booker re-energized i know for a while um he's and don't get me wrong booker's been balling for a while like mm-hmm. he's He's amazing. He's a, he's a once in a he's a once in a lifetime player, just pure shooter. Um, I think the losing over and over would would kind of derail his mentality, his mindset. So I think having having a player like Chris Paul that can come in and be that mentor to him and kind of guide him a little bit, um, I think is a win from a, a Suns perspective. Right, getting yeah. Devin Booker like a little bit more re-energized. And at least giving them more hope that they can make the playoffs. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point because there was there was rumors of uh, Devin Booker's uh, unhappiness, and as you can see, I'm putting in that uh, Dennis Schroeder trade there. Yeah, um, yeah. There, there was rumors of his unhappiness. There was rumors that he wanted to go play with Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell in Minnesota. Yeah. 
I think this kind of, uh, you know, that it kind of removes that from the table now. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, while I think OKC won, uh, I don't want to look at this. There's two different situations here. I, I saw some people that, you know, even Phoenix Suns fans that I follow um, that were a little bit, the money, the, the Chris Paul's owed got them a little worried, plus trading away some assets. I think the fact that they kept the number 10 pick, everybody's going to be okay with the, with the trade. Mm, that's huge. But it's, I think it's really important because you're going to get a solid two years from Chris Paul. Maybe he takes a little bit of a step back, which he still – he didn't last year. Made all NBA. But I think it just makes you a more legitimate team, a uh, more legitimate culture. You've got Monty Williams there, which already kind of turned them around from where they were in the past. Um, uh, Robert Sarver, the owner there, still takes a, catches a lot of crap for – how he's handled things, but hopefully he's kind of sitting back and letting people run the organization and bringing in a player like Chris Paul, like you're going to kind of stabilize stuff. Maybe even you get, maybe, maybe you end up, this is the place where Chris Paul ends up ending his career and you sign him for another year. or So after, after the deal ends, I, I think and, so. and, you know, he, yeah. I mean, I think it's just a good culture to start creating. Um, and you really didn't give up anything. Ricky Rubio was a guy who signed, came in last year who helped them He's a good player. Yeah. Uh, Kelly Oubre was kind of a – he's an expiring that was kind of a wild card dart throw, um, decent player. Um, and then uh, two guys that really didn't play much this year. Um, and then a future pick, which you can get back, right? Like yeah. they've gotten picks in the past. You know, they, now they even have an asset in Chris Paul where, you know, maybe they end up trading him in a year uh, yeah. or a year or two. Who knows? But Yeah, no, I think I think stability in the locker room is the biggest thing here. Because if exactly. you think about it, they were, they've always been super young. The big sons have always been super young. And if I'm thinking about it correctly, like Devin Booker probably doesn't know what it's like to have like a true, like professional locker room. And I think Chris no. can potentially bring that to them. No, I mean, he's still, I think it's important. I think you saw this even with the Thunder is that Chris Paul came in. Obviously he's a leader. He's going to be a leader wherever he is. Um, but he didn't come in and like, start bossing people around like a lot I know. of people I was just going to, I was going to just about to Cause, say, cause he, Chris Paul is the, is the, is the smaller guy that just like runs around and like waves his hands and gets upset at people. He didn't come in and like upset anything or upset the balance of things. Like Shea Gilders Alexander came in. He also let him take charge on some things. You know, Steven Adams was there as a personality. Dennis Schroeder was there. They empowered each other. I think the same is going to happen in Phoenix because they've got a core of guys there they didn't really give up anybody that was key in their playoff run besides Rubio and you replaced him with a better player. So, you know, I'm excited to see Phoenix, you know, it's, it comes at the expense of, you know, a team like the Grizzlies, but at the same time, I think it's good to see better teams. And I think it's good to see, it's going to be fun to see Chris Paul in those jerseys running around. With Devin I, know. I know. So I know. it's good. That's going to be fun. I mean, and then the Thunder gave up Dennis Schroeder as well. Got another pick in the first round. I think the Thunder could end up trying to move up in the draft. Um, eventually yeah. like th- there's no way that they're going to make all of these picks. Um, <laughs> no. There's no scenario. They're going to package a lot of these for a star or a player down the line when they have kind of the, the base of their, the guts of their roster established. So there's going to be some fun things in OKC fan to look for down the, down the pipe. Um, um, I think from the, you know, just to touch on the Lakers slightly, I think it's a great, I think Schroeder played really well last year. And I think if they let him Huge come pick off up. the bench, yeah, if they let him play the, the the Rondo role, basically, like he's better than Rajon Rondo. Doesn't have he's the experience, but you know, I think he's a more consistent player and a better scorer than Rondo, um, and I think he'll be fine. I think he's kind of the criticism for him and earlier in his career at Atlanta. You know, maybe he didn't know the type of player that he was. I think he kind of realized last year 
Mm-hmm. He should have won. Did he? Did he win Sixth Man of the Year? Um, I don't think so. Or did I th- you know Montrose Harold did? I, th- I thought yeah. he should have won. Yeah, Montrose Harold did. Yeah, I, I th- thought he should have. I thought Schroeder should have won. Agreed. Yeah, but yeah, I think all in all, I think the Lakers stole Schroeder from OKC. Yeah. I mean, d- don't get me wrong, they they got another pick, but I think he, I think the Lakers, uh, you know, <laughs> there's probably a lot of teams out there that are like, damn it, why did we didn't know he was available? Yeah. Yep. It's like it's like, and I've heard this comparison. It's not my original idea, but it's like the fantasy trade that happens on like a Thursday in your in your fantasy football league, where you're like, dude, I didn't know Jonathan Taylor was available. I didn't know that Devontae Adams was available, and you just got him for nothing. You Wait, know, what do you mean, Dal- Dalvin Cook was available? What do you <laughs> exactly, mean? exactly. We've seen it in our own leagues, but yep. it's it's about being in the right place, at the right time. Um, yep. You know, the the Thunder had motivation to get it done. The Lakers had motivation to get it done. Um, they didn't want to make that draft pick. I, LeBron James is notorious for not bringing in rookies, um, <laughs> I, so it's it's it, it makes total sense. They'll probably fill out with some more veterans since they won a title. They know that they can do it. They're set up to defend that title. I think you're probably going to see even more. Uh, there was there wasn't there wasn't a high level of veterans that went over there last year. You had the Rondos, you had the Danny Greens. Danny Green, yeah. They actually I didn't have that trainer either. They traded Danny Green. Um, to was he part of the he was part of the Dennis Schroeder trade? He was right? part of the Schroeder trade, right? So, I, I guess I got the I pulled the tweet before they confirmed the other player, but yeah, you know, they've brought in guys like that. I think you're going to get you know, that's a place that you could see a guy like Marcus Saul or you could see a guy like Serge Ibaka go uh, take a discount to go to. Um, so there's going to be some options for them, but um, obviously the rich get richer. Um, rich get richer, but another one that's a that's a bomb, and there's a couple of other trades that we can touch <laughs> on, but that we want to really touch on is that James Harden. Uh, so the Rockets are a dumpster fire. Um, just Mike D'Antoni's gone. Daryl Morey's gone. Daryl Morey's in Philly. Mike D'Antoni's an assistant coach in Brooklyn. That guy's taking a year off to have yeah. fun with Steve Nash and is just going to wait and get another gig next year or the next two years. He's going to get a head coaching gig. So he's having fun. Um, and so basically now James Harden has expressed – there was a report yesterday from ESPN as well about Brooklyn being a legitimate destination with James Hart, with a, with a, you know, former Harden teammate, Kevin Durant, and, and then Kyrie Irving being there as well. Now James Harden has basically done the old trade request and said that he wants to be on a contender elsewhere. Doesn't view the, the I guess the Rockets as a contender anymore, even though they mortgage the future for Russell Westbrook to make him happy. He wants to go to Brooklyn or Philadelphia. And it's important to note that those teams, just like we said, Philadelphia is now run by Daryl Morey, who was yep. running in Houston, who gave Harden everything that he wanted and was basically, you know, the Harden believer, made the trade for Harden. Um, and then Brooklyn has Mike D'Antoni, who uh, is an assistant on Steve Nash's staff. I'm sure he will have a loud voice in the room. Nash has also had his best years in the D'Antoni system in Phoenix, won two MVPs. So, like, you know, that's obvious to two obvious destinations, two obvious title contenders as they stand now before adding James Harden. So, I, th- I mean, I think it's going to be <laughs> – are we going to end up with Russell Westbrook on the, the on the Rockets by himself? <laughs> I, dude, honestly, I, and I don't – and we, let's touch on the, the <laughs> yeah. James Harden thing right first. Yeah. Uh, this is this is wild beyond belief because I think it was a domino effect, right? I think mm-hmm. wanted out first, and then James Harden was like, "No, like if anybody's leaving, it's fucking gonna be me. It's gonna right? be, it's gonna <laughs> like be me today. I'm t- like I've been, I've been 
and I've been here, I've done that. Like you've been, you know, you've had your fun. It's my turn. Right. Right. So I think if you're, if you're picking between those two teams, the, the logical place mm-hmm. for how he plays mm-hmm. is, is Philly. Because at the end of the day, you take the ball out of, out of Ben Simmons hands and, and you actually have someone who could potentially run the offense, right? Because let's face it, Ben Simmons, he's awesome, but he can't run an offense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you take him and you put him with Embiid and you put him with uh, Ben Simmons who could run the floor and is always going to push everything, I think that that would be a natural fit for him to be in. Uh, I, I think the, the wish list of, of the Brooklyn Nets trade, it's, it's a little bit far-fetched, meaning – like Kyrie Irving, ball hog. Kevin Durant, ball hog, loves to score. James Harden, also ball hog, loves to score. Like at the end of the day, it just doesn't. I think having those two on the team, it, it works out with, you know, they're going to get their touches. I can't, if I'm Harden, I can't see myself going to Brooklyn unless it's strictly to win a ring. Like if right. you want everything to flow through you, if you don't want to be the main guy, like, of course, like go there. Because let's face it, Kevin Durant's going to be the guy. But at the end of the day, I think obviously if you're if you're picking about it, if you're picking it, it's it's the the more logical choice is Philly. But dude, I, I don't so. think it's going to happen. They could both well, they could they, they could honestly say, hey, you know what? Screw you guys. You're playing together. It is. Yeah. I mean, and you kind of described a scenario there where Harden comes into Philly. I, I think it's hard from what everything that I've heard. You know, a lot of people have talked about it. It's obviously nothing confirmed yet, but I think logically the hardened trade to Philly, which I do think is the most likely scenario as well. Ben Simmons is probably included in that. Yeah, trade. No, that's likely. what I, I mean. You, you make a good point. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, one of them. I, if I, you, I mean, I guess you could, if I'm the Rockets, you'd want to keep everybody. You'd want to keep everybody, but most, I, there's no way that they're going to take Horford to match the salary. Tobias. Um, Cause they, they, yeah, I mean, that's a good point. They could take Tobias, too, I'm sure. And we could get in the trade machine and work out a bunch of them. But I do think – because this is the thing. This is the, the way I see it. With Brooklyn, you're going to have a – you're going to have a Paul George trade with Brooklyn. That's what's going to happen is Paul George to L.A. Because with Paul George in L.A., you got Shea Gilgis-Alexander, you got Gallinari, another solid role player, and you got a bunch of picks. There's some other crap in there, but those are the, the notable things. With Brooklyn, you're selling Houston on Karis LeVert, probably Tarian Prince, who's, you know, he's a throw in. He's like Danilo Gallinari. And then maybe a couple of other salaries plus um, whoever young on the roster that you want plus picks. And that's the Rockets recouping picks that they gave up in that Paul George trade. That's the one depending on, I mean, some GMs would prefer that because you get the picks, you get the kind of the longevity there. But now if you're Philadelphia and Daryl Moore is like, look, I want James Harden. I don't want – I want James Harden to have the ball. He fits theoretically pretty well with Joel Embiid and the other pieces we have. Yeah. With a shooter like Tobias Harris, another guy who can – you know, once you space the floor, is going to be more deadly than he was in the past the past few years. Let's get Ben Simmons out of here uh, and get some value for him because that way, if you're Philly, you don't have to give up as many picks as Brooklyn's going to have to give up. That's 100% for, true. Uh, for Harden. So – you're probably still going to give up a pick because if you if Houston's smart, they're going to they're going to hold on to that. They're going to be like, look, we're not giving you, we're getting multiple firsts, but yeah. we're probably you probably can get by with like two protected firsts there. But I, I'd like to see him in Philly. I think that's the most fun to me because it'd be, it'd be fun. 
the personalities of him, Kyrie and Kevin Durant, to me, lean more towards like Brooklyn, they're they're gonna Brooklyn. be Brooklyn, Brooklyn, yeah. not yeah, yeah, yeah. The, those three personalities, like it's gonna be fun for the most part, but there's gonna be some stuff that happens there that's gonna be like, why are we talking about this for the 18th straight day? Dude, I, I didn't have see, any. I did not see Harden and Kyrie yeah. getting along. It would just – I feel like that's a, a disaster waiting to happen. Dude, you, there's just so much unpredictable drama that could happen there. Whereas in Philadelphia, you got the guy manning the ship and Daryl Morey is – like he's he, he's a pro at putting together what he wants it to look like and making it work. You know, the, the ownership changed the couple, past couple of years, kind of screwed up what he had in Houston – um, and for some reason, I'm forgetting who they hired as head coach. Oh, Doc Rivers. Yeah, so Doc, Doc Rivers. Rivers is gonna. Doc Rivers is a star's head coach. So he's gonna come in, and and, and people are gonna love him. And they'll probably win some games. I don't know if they're gonna win a title. I probably wouldn't pick either of these teams to win a title. Yeah. But, um, but I think that's gonna be. That's where I want him to go is Philly. I want him to yeah. go to Philly, and I want him to play with Joel Embiid and see what Joel Embiid can do with a dominant ball handler playing in the pick and roll. And, and defending that's what I was going to say. Playing in the pick and roll is going to be huge for him because James Harden is such a three point threat that he's going to have whatever he wants. I mean, James Harden got Clint Capella paid. <laughs> like, Joel Embiid is an all star, all NBA center <laughs> by himself. By himself. Like, so, <laughs> yeah. like, Harden, I think some things are going to change from Philly. They're not going to play the whole five no center lineup thing. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, so, I, I think, think we, I think we saw that that didn't work. Yeah, we saw that, that didn't work. Um, I loved it though. I was a fan of trying it. But um, but yeah, so I think I think Philly's the most fun destination there. Uh, hopefully we see that. Um, I think the other piece of this is because we saw oh, we heard from Russ first. He's the one that spoke up about I don't think being, Russ gets traded. I don't, I don't think, think he does get I, I think Russ, there's a better chance Russ gets traded like farther down the line in the season, like at the trade deadline, maybe. Um, but that's, that's to me kind of where that, where that, where that goes in. Like, I think there's a chance he could get traded, but it's going to be more of like, Oh, he rebuilds a little bit of his value. He averages a triple double, some shit like that. I I don't think that Houston can trade Russ. I I think that don't get me wrong. Like James Harden is a lot, a lot better of a draw for sure. A hundred percent. Like not, no question. Uh, I just don't think that if I'm, if I'm a team, unless like I really want somebody that can build me a house from three, and and could run the floor like at the end of the day cool but like his salary is just too big he's not a chris paul it is there's there's some stuff out there that can get it done but you have to find the right situation whether it's like a charlotte or a detroit or somebody that has the contracts is willing to take take a chance to get a star um but and then also too if you make if you make the trade with philly and you get Simmons included please no if you make the trade with Philly and get Ben Simmons, I think that speeds up you getting rid of Russ. If you don't, so. then maybe you hold on to him and try to win some games and like save, you know, put some fans in the stands when that's available. But <laughs> you don't want him and Russ out there playing together. That would yeah. be make for some good, some good fast break offense. But God, that'll be a no shooting, nightmare. no shooting, no shooting at all. Please get PJ Tucker out of there. Maybe you can oh. tag him with uh with Harden in a trade. That that's probably I think that could end up happening too. Um, potentially just just to have but, pj tucker waved yeah anyway. <laughs> but um but there's there's a lot of stuff happening there could, i don't think anything's broke while we were on the phone but um i think you're gonna see i think this may be all that we see before the draft but i think the mm-hmm. draft is going to bring a lot more transactions a lot more trades with picks we could see some players 
traded within that time because you want you know the rights to make the pick. Um, I think there's a lot of stuff that's that I'm looking forward to. Um, the Warriors are going to be fun again. I made that note here. Uh, we're they're they're going to be right back on top. I think there's I some say. stuff I want to get into on like season previews eventually on the next podcast. Yeah. Where I think there's some interesting stuff there with how the West and East are going to shake out. But everybody, everybody forgot about the Warriors, man. Don't 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 forget that they have two All Stars and two of the best three point shooters ever coming don't back. Forget. Don't forget. <laughs> you can't forget. We 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 will soon be reminded. Um, oh, of that fact um um nobody out here is going to be able to go see them um i drove by the stadium the other day uh it's looking nice uh oh i again. forgot california is in a full-out lockdown right uh yeah like we said boarding up the windows um Board up no the windows. i mean we're, we're there i think evidently the owner of the warriors has some elaborate plan to get fans back i think most likely we don't see them uh there was a notification i think uh champs tweeted a few minutes ago about some story about uh, there's some teams that are trying to get fans. I think we're going to see kind of what the NBA, the NFL did where you start out with zero and then you eventually trickle in like 25 to 30% or whatever. No, the Grizzlies, but, um, are, the Grizzlies are selling season tickets. Right. Yeah. You're going to see, yeah, there's going to be some, some places are going to have them. Um, but, but that's I obviously think you could see, Tennessee. I think you could see it increase. Yeah. That's Tennessee, not California. <laughs> right. California, the Lakers announced they're not having fans unless something crazy changes. I think the yeah. Warriors will probably follow suit. No, for sure. But I think I think as you see this vaccine rolled out, it's it's always going to be like like pretty fluid and and I think once we get to the playoffs potentially, like happening in June July, um, we might see like full full fans in the playoffs. That would be oh, that would be fun. Nuts. That would be nuts. That would be nuts. That would be that would be fun to have like the playoffs fully, like everything's good by the playoffs, no bubble home and home and we're good to go. That'd be, that'd be a great scenario, but uh, we'll have plenty of time to talk about that. Um, we'll get into some uh, post draft stuff, maybe the end of this week over the weekend, we'll see uh, what the schedule allows, but appreciate everybody jumping in and, and joining uh, whoever watches and listens. Um, if you like the format, let us know. You can, uh, or in the, the, you can find everything that you need to know in the description of whatever you're listening or watching on. So um, we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you next time, but I appreciate Blake uh, as yeah. always, and we will um, we'll get out of here. See ya. All Peace. good. See Peace. you, man.